0: Well, we're still dealing and discussing our doctrinal delicacies, okay? And so tonight we're going to deal with the Holy Spirit of God. Just look at Him for just a short time and see what we can't glean and grow from. (coughs) Excuse me. Let's go ahead and take our Bibles tonight and let's get started with John chapter 16, verse 7. We'll just start there, use that as a kickoff point, and then we'll look at a number of scriptures along the way, I'm sure, and see if we can't uh, learn something here. It's good to be reminded from time to time uh, about certain doctrines. We need to be reminded, and uh, it's helpful to us. It's uh, it's a blessing to us. <clears throat> Sometimes we get the idea that we got it all figured out, and well, we may have some of it figured out. But boy, we forget along the way some of the details. And it's good just to be reminded, just to kind of have it fresh, refreshed in our mind again. And so, John chapter 16, verse 7. Notice what the Bible says here. Jesus, of course, is speaking. He's yet to. Uh, be crucified or to go back to be with the Father. But he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Now notice again here he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. He says, I'm going to tell you the truth here. Now have you ever said that before? Listen, I'm telling you the truth. And you think, why would you say that? That makes no sense. Well, hopefully you would think that we would tell the truth all the time. I've had somebody tell me one time when I said, I said, now listen, let me tell you the truth. And they said, well, I would hope that you'd be truthful. And I said, well, they did it. Jesus said the same thing, all right? I said, wait a second now. Don't be dogging me out. You better dog Jesus out then. Because he did the same thing. So before you start jumping all over me, let's know. Jesus said, he says, uh, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Oh, like Jesus wouldn't? Okay, but he's going to tell us the truth here. So if I say that to somebody, don't go around going, "Oh well, see, you would think that he what's, there, what's he hiding something?" From time to time, I mean, no, I'm just following in the footpaths of the footprints of Jesus. <clears throat> Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. He said, "It is expedient." What's it mean to be expedient? It's expedient. It's what? 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 What's that? Needful. needful. Yeah, it's needful. It's necessary. It's in your best interest. It's expedient for you. It's it's good thing here. And he says uh, for you that I go away. It's good. And and I'm sure that that time they didn't think that. You know, let's face it. We know, according to John chapter 14, are pretty brokenhearted, pretty upset about that originally. And uh, he says, let not your heart be troubled. You know, and so the reality is here is that he's saying, now listen, it's in your best interest. It's, it's, it's important that I go. It's necessary. It's needful. Why? Because if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. So he's saying, I have this other being, this the, the comforter himself, he, he is, he's going to come to you. And so it's needful, it's necessary. It's in your best interest that I go, because then when I go, he comes. Well, that's a good thing, he said. Well, what we're talking about, the comforter, we're talking about the Holy Spirit of God. <clears throat> and in the Christian, the believer's life, it's such, a, of such an imperative port, part of our life. It's so important, it's so necessary. It's needful. You know, we, we have these... Um, You know, we have groups like charismatic groups, we call them, and and they call themselves charismatic and mean that they have a lot of life and stuff. And they point their fingers to the Holy Spirit and say, The Holy Spirit guides us. The Holy Spirit directs us. The Holy Spirit, He's the one that enables us to speak in tongues. The Holy Spirit's the one that gives us power to heal. The Holy Spirit's the, and, and they're big on the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And we say, Whoa, put the brakes on. But hold on a second. Jesus is pretty big about the Holy Spirit, too. And just because we're, we, we don't want to be labeled with those who have maybe taken some doctrine out of context and maybe have not rightly divided the word of truth and appropriated some of the healings and some of the tongues and some of the other aspects of the, of, of the Christian, of the, of the life of the believer that belonged to maybe a time when Jesus was around to the Jew themselves who require a sign. Just because they have misunderstood that and misappropriated it and misapplied it doesn't mean that we have to run from the one who they say provides it hey the holy spirit is necessary needful it's important he's positive he's a very good is, is a necessary element in our life jesus said i'm going to go away fellas and when i go away it's expedient why because you're going to receive him now it's going to be to your benefit and boy i tell you what the holy spirit of god is such a valuable intricate part of our life Amen. we don't often talk a lot about him he kind of gets lost in the mix doesn't he god the father God the Son, and let's go on with our life. But we've got to remember the God the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Ghost, he, He's also there. I mean, He's there too. He's a very important part of our life. Now, <clears throat> what happens is this. When we fail to, to elevate or, or fail to accentuate the Holy Spirit in our Christian life the way we ought to, when we dismiss Him as an important element of the believer's life and of the mission of the church and every aspect of the Christian life, then what happens is is we end up being a people who have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. And that's a reality. We become machinery without inspiration. And we have to be so careful, you know, with this issue. Now, you know, there's balance in everything in in life. I mean, whether it's the home, whether it's a family or relationships... And there has to be balance with the Holy Spirit. And God determines the balance. He tells us what the balance is. We don't have to be afraid of the Holy Ghost. We don't have to be afraid of the Spirit of God. But we, we, we need to make sure that we are including Him and allowing Him to have His, his very important part of, in our life. And so we're going to talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit today. And we're going to move along quickly. We have about a half hour. I want to be done. So let's try to nail this thing down. Let's look at it very quickly and see what we can't glean and, and what we can't learn tonight. So let's pray. Father, we come to you. Thank you for your people. Lord, we are a people that is needy. Father, if there's an area in our lives that is necessary and needful tonight, Lord, I I am confident it is this. Lord, um, just in my own life, Lord, and in the lives of so many that I've spoken to that long to see uh, great revivals and want to see lives transformed and changed. uh, that want to really make an impact and influence their society and their culture, Lord, there's no doubt that the Holy Spirit of God is an essential part and and just an an invaluable piece of that puzzle. And Lord, so many times we're trying to accomplish things in our own strength or power. We put the plans and the, the preparation in place, but we fail to get the Spirit of God moving. Help us, Lord, not to fail in this area of our life. May we understand his role, his purpose for us. And may we, Father, honor you as a result. Well, thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, I'm not going to take a lot of time to go through this, but uh, when we talk about the Holy Spirit and we ask ourselves who he is, he's the third part of the Trinity. You know that. I know that as well. As a matter of fact, in the book of First John chapter 5, verse 7, uh, the Bible tells us very simply, for there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. These three are one. Now, listen, I had somebody the other day, uh, Josh and I were out soul winning together, and, and we ran into a young lady and had the privilege of leading her through the word of God, you know. So take her through the entire plan, spent probably, I don't know, Josh, what, 15, 20 minutes at least, maybe a little more, sharing the gospel with her. We get to the end, and what does she say to me? Something to the effect of, so um, basically, uh, I can't remember how she put it. Do you remember exactly how she put it? What's she? I don't remember. Oh, and she said, is, so Jesus isn't God. That's what she said. So Jesus is no, Jesus, so God, I can't remember how it was. Anyway, she was all mixed up on the Trinity. And she got it all mixed up, and she basically was saying, so Jesus isn't God. And I said, oh, no, Jesus is God. Well, all of a sudden, she's like, really? So wait a second. Jesus died on the cross. God was in heaven. Jesus and God are the same? Good question, right? Good point. Well, guess what? The Holy Spirit's God, too. Let's just complicate a little bit more. Throw another uh, stick in the spokes. You know what I mean? So now we've got these three. The Bible says these three. I take her, and I, I made a big mistake. I don't know if it was a big mistake, but Josh says it wasn't. But I was like, man, I got it. I, I, first thing I did is I run her over to First John 5, 7, and I show her that these three are one. And then I thought, man, that's confusing. That's even more confusing. I should have showed her the other verse that I showed her later. I, I took her, you know, then we go, of course, go to First Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, where it says that, that you know, that... Um, God was manifest in the flesh, you know, that kind of thing. And, and that's what I probably should have done the first time. But, but here we are with this, this girl that we just took through the gospel, and she's asking one of the most profound questions you could ask. How in the world can Jesus be God when God's in heaven, Jesus on earth? And good question. And I basically told her what any good, <clears throat> good Baptist, any good theologian would say. It's a mystery. Isn't that what God calls it? I, that's what he calls it. It's the mystery of godliness. Amen. They're, they're, you know, how do you explain it? I, so I said, well, I could give you some cheesy example. Some, I could tell you something like this. I could say, well, you know how an egg has a shell, and an egg has a white, and an egg has a yolk. And yet all three of them are part of the egg, and yet they're one. I said, but that doesn't even come close to what God does. I, I can't explain God by that. I mean, as simple as that is... It's really not even even remotely close to how it, how it works. But I said, I guess if, if that helps you, then so be it. But it's still by faith and it's still a mystery and we'll never fully understand it. And that's why we have to believe God and His Word. Simple. There, there's a faith issue here. And may I say to you tonight, I don't have all the answers concerning the Holy Spirit of God. I don't understand how He is God and how Jesus is God and how God is God at the exact same time. And they are equal and they're co They have totally, they have different roles, if you will, in, in this world and in creation and everything that we've done here. And yet, they are distinct, but they are one. I don't get all that. But I know it's true. And someone says, well, why am I believing in this? I don't know. I guess the alternative is to believe in a Big Bang. I, I don't, I mean, what takes more faith? A book that's existed over thousands and thousands of years. that is historically proven, as we mentioned this morning. Who has, a, has a, a, a character by the name of Jesus Christ Who uh, is said to be God in flesh Who came to earth and lived and died on a cross Who rose again the third day And it seems that in history they write about Him They talk about Him, they mention Him I guess He did exist, and I guess He's real And as a result, I have a little bit more faith in that Than I do a bang that I never saw, never heard of And have no, no experience of But nonetheless, we have God He's the third part of the Trinity in the book of Acts, chapter five, verse three, we read this. It says, But Peter said, Ananias, why hast Satan, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? Now again, we know that Ananias and Sapphira had promised a certain amount of you know, we sell this property of ours, we're going to give it to the church. They made a promise, you know, we're going we're gonna to obey you, Lord. We're going to give. We say we're going to give so much to you. We're going we're, we're to give so much faith promise. We're going to give so much for the building fund. We're going to do this and do that. And then they didn't fulfill it. And so see how God dealt with it in the early church. It's the same exact thing, by the way. We don't like to think about it that way, but it's the same thing. We make promises to God, and then we think God's supposed to excuse those promises. But notice what he did to these guys. He, he didn't play around. He said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? Notice Satan filled his heart to lie. When we lie to God, who's, who's at the root of it all? The father of all lies, right? We talked about that before, right? Satan is a liar and he's the father of all lies. So in this case, Ananias, Christian or not, do you believe Ananias will be in heaven one day? I do. I think heaven, Ananias will be in heaven one day. I don't think Ananias was lost. I don't think he was, a, he was any worse than you and I. I think he was just a normal believer and he messed up big time. He chose to, to walk by sight and not faith. Boy, it cost him his life though. Why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the, what? Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine po- own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men. Who did he lie to? The Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. <clears throat> but unto, he says, thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. Go get, guess what, I guess what I'm to believe here is that the Holy Ghost is God then. Real simple, right? You say, we already knew that. But could you show me in the Bible? I mean, now you have an opportunity. You can go to 1 John 5, 7. You can run over here to the book of Acts, and you can say, see, the Holy Ghost is God. And you know what? Who's going to argue with you? Oh, yeah, somebody that doesn't believe the Bible, maybe. But if they believe the Bible, they're going to have to go, well, I guess you're right. I guess that's true. I'm not right. God's right. I'm just telling you what he said. That's all you have to do. Now, so he's the third part of the Trinity. He's, he was active in some things. He was active in creation. We know that to be the case. In Genesis 1 2, just because of time, let me read it. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. <clears throat> there he is. He moved upon the face of the waters. Spirit of God. The baptism of Jesus. You remember? He ascended what? Like a dove unto, unto, unto John. The Holy Spirit did that. The Holy Spirit did that. So he was active in creation. He's active at the baptism of Jesus, the Holy Spirit. He's called a couple of things. He's called the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> we could take the time to look those up, but we know don't need to. He's called the Holy Ghost. He's called the Comforter. He's even called the Spirit of Truth. He's called a number of things, mostly these first couple, two or three, that we noted already, but he's called a couple of things in the Bible, same, same entity, same person. That's the Holy Spirit of God in that regard. So what role does the Holy Spirit play in my life as a Christian? What role does he play in your life as a Christian? And this is important. We need to understand some of these. We won't be able to go into them extensively. Certainly, uh, by all means, there's a ton of study that could go into this. There are volumes upon volumes upon volumes of of, of material and books that have been written on this subject. And, you know, I encourage you, find, you know, be careful who you read after, by the way. Uh, Let me encourage you not to do one thing. Don't just jump on the Internet and look up Holy Ghost and start reading people. Be real careful with that. You ought, to, you ought to be careful who your authors are. So who's, who, you better make sure that the person you're reading after has already is addressing the issue from the proper perspective, which means that they're already going at it from, let me say, let, let's start with this one, a King James Bible. That'd be a good starting place, okay? You know, one of the things that I find today is it's very difficult to find people who use a King James Bible. Matter of fact, there's very few Baptist churches now that are exclusively King James Bible. Most of them have chosen not to. They've dipped the sail, they've dropped the flag. They've said, "You know what? It's just too big a battle to fight. Who cares? Whatever." All I know is, since 1611, that book's still been in vogue. It's been in vogue. It's still been working out pretty good. Things are still happening as a result of it. I say, why change it if it's not broke? Don't fix it. Amen. But nonetheless, be careful. That's a good starting place. First of all, make sure that the person you're reading after is utilizing the proper. Bible, or the Word of God for English-speaking people. Um, that's a good place. And then make sure that their, their associations are right. Be careful with that, too. You know, I mean, if they're going to the Rock Church, that's probably not the one you want to read after. You say, well, I don't think that you have a right to tell us what to do. Well, hey, I'm your pastor. I have every right to. Amen. Matter of fact, I have an obligation and responsibility to warn you to protect you. Look over in the book of Hebrews sometime, chapter 13, verse 7 and verse, 13, verse 17. You'll find that I watch for your souls. If I don't tell you to keep your eyes off of things you shouldn't look at, to not read things you shouldn't read, to not go to websites you shouldn't be on, let me tell you something. You know who answers for that? I do one day. Now, if I tell you and you go do it anyway, say, I'll show that preacher. He's stupid. I'll do whatever I want to do. I'm my own man. I'm my own woman. So be it. I'll stand at the judgment and go, Lord, I told him. He'll say, they didn't deny you. They denied me. Just like he told Samuel that day when they said, we want a king. And Samuel said, you don't need a king. You've got me. And they said, we want a king. Just like the rest of the nations. He said, they've not rejected you. They've rejected me. That's what he told them. Hey, singles, it seems like we're back in class for a moment there, doesn't it? You like it, don't you? Yeah. You should be in our class. I act like an idiot. We have fun back there, don't we? Yeah, okay. <laughs> I tell you what, we go crazy. I do at least. Okay, they're going crazy because I am. But anyway, <clears throat> so what role does he play then? Okay, so now let, let's just find out what the Bible has to say. He regenerates us, first of all. He regenerates. Um, Look look in John chapter 3. Let's turn there. because And you know the passage probably, Nicodemus here. But, but it's important because this is a, a major role that the Holy Spirit of God plays in our life. John chapter 3, verse 3. We're going to read through verse 6. And, and we're going to notice here that he, he plays a major role. <clears throat> in John 3, verse 3, the Bible says, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Born again. Born again. That's an interesting phrase, isn't it? Remember, there was a song years ago called uh, something about being born again. So what Baptists started doing, we, started, we stopped talking about being born again because people were misunderstanding what we are talking about. So what, what did we do? Oh, we decided that we would go ahead and set the Bible aside because the world's misusing the phrase. I'm going to tell you something. It's time we stop apologizing for what the Bible teaches and start using biblical phrases and terminology the way it's supposed to be used. i tell you what, I don't think we ought to call, call people gay. I think we ought to call them sodomites. Amen. Now listen, you say to me, that is so offensive. That is so politically incorrect. That is so wrong. I can't understand why you would ever incite that kind of violence, that kind of... What's God calling? Just thought I'd check to see what God's per- perspective was on this thing. When somebody says that's not the way we ought to do. Now, listen, I don't think you need to run around going, Hey, sodomite, how you doing today? But, but on the other hand, you don't go around going, Hey, gay guy. You don't do that either. You work with somebody that's like that. You love them. You show them respect. You try to somehow help them to understand that you're a a Christian at some point, and that you, you, you're not about hurting or harming people. You're about loving people enough to say, hey, I want to share the truth ultimately with you. I want you to recognize the fact that there's a God in heaven that loves you enough to, to, to not only place you on earth, but also to give you a life that's worth living and an eternity forever with Him. I mean, there's, this thing about hating people, stupid. Folks, listen to me. You cannot hate somebody and still love them. You can't hate them and still help them. You can't hate them and, help t- and show them the way of salvation. Don't tell me you that you want to witness to people and still say you hate something. That's ridiculous. You knock on a door. You don't know what's behind that door. You don't know if they're gay. You don't know if they're lesbian. You don't know if they're, they're uh, a witch. You don't know if they're a uh, Wiccan. You don't know what they are. You ought to just love everybody. When you reach out to them, they'll know you do. They may not appreciate our terminology at times. But when I'm going to teach a Sunday school lesson, I'm going to preach the word of God. I'm going to use the biblical terms. Because that's what God says is important. His word is what's truth. Not my opinion, not my outlook, not my world view, but God's view. That's truth. You say, we're getting more than we bargained for today. Amen. Hey, he regenerated us. Look what's going on here. Nicodemus said, Then how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. When you were born of the flesh, you were brought into a physical world. Guess what? When you're born of the Spirit, you are brought into a spiritual world. You are regenerated. You are made new. You are a new creature in Christ according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. That is what we're talking about when we're regenerated. We're a new creature in Christ, born in the Spirit and now adapted for a spiritual world. Before you were saved, you may have had a spirit, but it was not adapted to the Spirit of God's world. You weren't able to access God. You could access the spirit world, mind you. Go get a Ouija board. You can use it if you're lost and you can be successful with it and you can reach right down the depths of hell and you can communicate with spirits. It does happen. Yeah, that's right. This whole thing about, well, that's all fake. No, it's not fake. Get that junk out of your house. Get rid of it. Don't even try to burn it. Just throw it away. Do something. Break it in half. Whatever. But get it out of your house. That stuff's real. And I'm not trying to be scary. By the way, none of these young people should be afraid of what I'm talking about unless you let them watch horror movies and things they shouldn't be watching. Right, right, not one young person here is going,
1: spirits, demons.
0: <laughs> you know why they shouldn't be doing that? Because they should have never had any other interaction with it but the Word of God. Amen. Yeah, why in the world would you let them watch that trash? <laughs> I don't care if it's Halloween. Don't let them watch that junk. Well, it's fun to watch them get scared. <laughs> yeah, well, let them get cut with a chainsaw or something, but don't let them watch spirit stuff like that. I don't know, but don't let them watch that junk. People's heads spinning around and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Don't let them watch that junk. That's satanic. If the spirit is real, if the spirit of God is real, guess what? That spirit's real too. And he is real. He regenerates us. He makes us alive unto God. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. Now we're alive unto God. And in John chapter 5 verse 24, one of the great passages in the Bible. Verily, verily, I send you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Regenerated. What a wonderful thing that is. Not only does he regenerate you, but he indwells you. We talk about this a lot, but let's really wrap our mind around it. He indwells us. He indwells us. That means He lives in us. Listen, let me ask you, young ladies. Any of you, any of you believe that you're saved, have trusted Christ, ask them to save you, you they're raising their hands. I am going to tell you something. Jesus Christ lives inside of you through the person of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit of God lives inside you then, according to the Word of God. Guess what? You've got a person living inside you called the Holy Ghost. Amen. He's living in you. He indwells us. It's crazy to think of what we submit the Holy Ghost to what we make Him endure in our lives. He actually, we carry Him everywhere we go. Well, my mom and dad aren't around, so I guess I'll... But the Holy Ghost is. My wife's not around, but God the Holy Ghost is. My husband, he's off. Wait, but God the Holy Ghost is. He's right there. He's living in you. He lives in you. He lives in me. And if he doesn't, you're lost today. He indwells us. In 1 Corinthians six nineteen and 20, we know the passage. Probably you could almost quote it by heart, some of you. What know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own? For you're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. I mean, he lives in us, which, you know, which he's in us, and we have of God, and we're not our own. We're bought with a price. We're the temple, the body. It's just a housing place. It's just a house for God. He lives in us. It's a house. Some of the houses are a little bigger than others. And some are smaller than others. And some are grayer than others. And some are without. But it's just a house. It's just a house. And God lives in through the personal Holy Spirit. He lives in us. He indwells us. In 1 Corinthians 316 the bible says know ye not that ye are the temple of god and that the spirit of god dwelleth in you (laughs) dwelleth in you i mean first corinthians 316 isn't that a powerful verse a powerful verse where the temple of God and the spirit of God dwelleth in you. Don't you know that he says to the Corinthians? Don't you realize when you, out, when you express yourself the way you used to before you were saved? Don't you realize every time you disregard God's word and every time you go off into sin and do those things which are so uh, unnecessary as a believer? Don't you realize you're dragging him with you? Don't you understand he lives in you? That's what he's saying. Romans eight nine says, "But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you." Oh, you know what he just said there? <clears throat> you're not in the flesh anymore if you're saved, because if the spirit of God lives in you, guess what? You're in the spirit. He Amen. Amen. said, "I don't, I don't really feel much like that." Doesn't matter. It's a reality. Yeah, it's Romans eight nine. So He regenerates you. He indwells you. You know what else He does, the Holy Spirit does for us? He seals us. He seals us. Look in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. Hey, Jake, did you look up 4.30, 4.30, Ephesians 4.30 for me, all right? Just be ready to read it when I ask you. So here we go, Ephesians 1, 13 through 14. Notice the Bible says, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of the inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of His glory. Now notice again in the passage, we are sealed unto the day of redemption. There's a time in our uh, there's a time in our life when ultimately everything we've been promised, everything that's been been guaranteed in the Word of God, will come to fruition. That new body, that new Jerusalem, all those things that we know are ours. It'll all come to pass. I mean, it's all ours. And and God has this this calendar, and He knows when that is. And the fact is, is that we're going to have the Holy Spirit in us until the day we die. And when we do, all of a sudden we're going to wake up in heaven. All of a sudden we're going to be preparing ourselves for the judgment seat of Christ and the opportunity to receive the new body, go through the millennium with Christ. All of those things that we have longed for and looked forward to. He says, we're sealed. We're sealed. You cannot miss out on this deal because you're already sealed. He is the earnest. He's the down payment. If, as long as he's in you, with you, guess what? You don't have one thing to worry about. He's it, the down payment. It's covered until the day of redemption, till the day that you're actually in my presence with me. You are good to go. And by the way, when I get in the presence of Christ physically, literally, I won't be too worried about the Holy Spirit living inside me at that point. I don't need Him anymore. Because I'll literally be in the presence of God in the sense of in His actual visible presence. And that's going to be good. Physical visible, not just spiritual. That'll be awesome, won't it? Yeah. <clears throat> he seals us. Go ahead and stand and read that, would you please, Jake? <clears throat> and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. There it is. I, I got ahead of myself. Sealed unto the day of redemption. Now again, He's the earnest of our, of our inheritance Man, I tell you what, we know we have something to look forward to because we have the Holy Spirit of God living in us. He indwells us. He seals us. He regenerates us. Not only that, but He empowers us. He empowers. This is the point that's so crucial, so necessary, so needful for us to understand. When the Lord Jesus Christ said in chapter 16, verse 7, that it was, that it was expedient that He leave, what He was really saying is, if I don't go away, you're going to be hampered. You're going to be hindered. You're going to actually be uh, held back some. Because if I leave, guess what? You're going to have more opportunity. You're going to have more uh, power than ever to accomplish what I need you to accomplish. See, we had one Christ on earth then. Now we have all kinds of Christ running around. And I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that in a, a, a negative way. I'm saying if Christ lives in you, guess what? There's Christ, there's Christ, there's Christ, there's Christ, there's Christ, there's Christ, there's Christ. He can do works and miracles everywhere He goes. Guess what? You're carrying Him to that place of business. You're carrying Him to that place of business. You're taking Him to that school. You're taking Him to that family outing. Hey, listen, Christ is everywhere in us now. So Well, I don't see it that way. That's because you don't really believe that He lives in you. You've got to believe that He lives in you if the Bible says so. You believe He saved you. Oh, I know I'm saved on my way to heaven. Then you have to believe that Christ lives in you through the person of the Holy Ghost. You have to. And if that's the case, then He empowers. Galatians 5 16 says, This I say then walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You say, Well, what's that have to do with empowering? Let me tell you something. It takes a lot of power not to walk in this flesh. But you've got to be, as the Bible says, you've got to walk in the Spirit. And if you walk in Him, if you allow Him to have control of your life, He will enable you to overcome the flesh. Now, the apostles were commanded to wait for the Spirit before they began their work. They were told to do that. Remember in the book of Acts, Jesus ascends and He says what? Stay right here in Jerusalem. And, and, and you, you don't, don't go anywhere. Tur- turn, if you would, to Acts chapter 1 real quick. <clears throat> Verse 4. In Acts chapter 1, verse 4, we, we read here that the apostles were commanded to wait for the Spirit before beginning their work. Now, now I mean, they stayed, traveled with Jesus. They had, they had watched him operate and function. They, he had even given them opportunities to minister while he was on earth with them. But, but wait a second now. now. Now more than ever, he says, before you do anything, hold on, there's a prerequisite verse 4 chapter 1 and being assembled together with them commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem but wait for the promise of the father which saith he ye have heard of me what promise chapter 14 chapter 16 of John when he said there's another comforter coming remember you have the promise here i've given you the promise now don't go anywhere stay in Jerusalem till he comes till the promise is fulfilled don't go anywhere verse 8 but ye shall receive power after that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and under the uttermost part of the earth. Again, the, 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 uh, the, the Lord says you don't go anywhere. You stay in Jerusalem. Why? Because the one I promised is coming. And when he comes, you're going to have power. You need power to fulfill the, the, the purpose that I've left you here to fulfill. You cannot accomplish this mission in your own strength, in your own ability. Your own intellect. It will not work. You must have the Spirit of God to get the job done. You cannot be the daddy that you're supposed to be without the Spirit of God. You cannot be the mama you're supposed to be without the Spirit of God. You cannot be the child of being obedient to mom and dad the way you ought to be without the Spirit of God leading and guiding and directing in that sense. As a believer that is now, mind you, if you're saved. You cannot possibly be the, the kind of uh, witness in the world that you ought to be with the power that God intends you to have without the Spirit of God at the forefront in your life can't happen you can't accomplish it you can't build a ministry and truly accomplish something eternal without me the Spirit of God he says you wait in Jerusalem don't go anywhere wait for the Holy Ghost to show up because that's where the power is He empowers us Jesus was empowered by the Spirit look at Luke chapter 4 verse 18 I mean Christ himself deeded the presence and the power of the Holy Ghost and that's crazy I don't know about you, but I think to myself, he's God. Why does he need the Spirit of God? Well, I don't know why in the world the Holy Spirit of God descended on him like a dove there when he was baptized, attesting to his deity, but then all of a sudden throughout his ministry now, he's going to be utilizing the power of the Holy Ghost. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, he says. Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to captives to recovering the sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised. Notice he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Christ is speaking. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, he says. And what does he say then? He goes on to say, Now look at this. He's anointed me, anointed me for a purpose to preach the gospel. To heal the brokenhearted, to deliver the captives, to give sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Hey, by the way, if I check and read my Bible properly, it seems to me that in one sense or some kind of a number of senses, we as a church are called to do the same thing. I mean, we may not be called to physically heal people and walk around touching them and healing them the way they did in, in, in the gospel's time when Jesus was here dealing with his people, the Jew. But let me tell you something, we're to bring healing and help and hope to people that are lost and dying and going to hell. And the truth is there are believers and there are others in this world that need to know that there is a God in heaven that loves them and cares for them and is there to meet a need in their life. And the truth is we can't do that without the power of the Holy Ghost in our life. Because Jesus needed him, we do too. <clears throat> in the book of Excuse me, in the book of uh, Acts chapter 10 verse 38, the Bible says it just makes a statement, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Isn't you know, that's something. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. So Jesus was anointed with the Holy Ghost and power. And I don't know about you, but I want that power. I, I don't know about you, but I know in my own heart and in my life, I have operated without that power a number of times in my life. I have functioned, I have performed the Christian life, I'll be honest with you, in this old flesh, if I'm honest with you today, I have to admit it. I've done it, I, and, and, and if I'm not careful, I continue to do it from time to time. Got to be so careful. Why? Because the fact is, if I want God to really get the glory, then it has to be Him doing it in and through me. And if He doesn't do it in and through me, then it's just going to be the, the power, the, 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 the effort of a mere man. And let me tell you, that doesn't accomplish anything supernatural. That doesn't accomplish anything miraculous. That doesn't accomplish anything eternal. That is simply temporal. It may impress some, it may be a blessing to others, but it doesn't do anything for God in heaven when it's just me, myself and I. He empowers us. Any success that we experience in the Christian life is made possible by the Spirit of God. That is a reality. And let me tell you something. You can stand up here and sing a solo and be the most, I mean sound angelic and still be in the flesh as much as you can be. You can teach that Sunday school class and you can proclaim the word of God and do it all in the flesh. I, 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 you know, I, I'm so tired of us somehow convincing ourselves because we dress a way, certain way, we show up in church at certain times, we are involved in the work of God, that that must mean that we are right completely, that our spirit filled, that we've got the power of God in our life, in our ministry. No, that means absolutely nothing in and of itself. Anybody, anybody can teach a Sunday school lesson. I've told this adult leaders, I could teach a monkey to teach a Sunday school lesson. You give me enough time. Let me tell you something. You, it's a different ball game getting a hold of God and teaching it in the spirit of God. Amen. It's a big difference getting a hold of the, the, the horns of the altar and finding God and ultimately sharing him with people. There's a difference. You know what? It's not just that there's more people getting saved or more people being baptized. That's not even always the case either. But there is a difference. And only you know and only I know in my own life when I've spent the time I need to really call upon God and really seek his favor and his face and his hand. So many times we're functioning in our flesh and we, we don't even know it I think. Sometimes we're like Samson I think. You know he went out he shook himself as before. But he wist not that the spirit of God had departed. Not only does He regenerate us, He indwells us, He seals us, He empowers us, but He illuminates us. Illumination. You ever heard somebody say something like, And all of a sudden, I mean, all of a sudden the light just came on and I understood. You ever hear somebody say stuff like that? Now as a believer, when that happens, when the Word of God becomes alive to us, when the Word of God just kind of... That's the Holy Spirit working. It's the Holy Spirit working. In John chapter 14, verse 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. The Holy Spirit of God does that. He does that. Why is it important that you pray before you knock on doors? Why is it important you take just a moment and say, Lord, now we're going to these doors and God, you know my heart. I need you to open up their eyes. I need you, Holy Spirit of God, to do your work in their life. Oh, God, send your spirit. Oh, God, do a work in their life. Open their heart and open those doors. Lord, we can't do it ourselves. We need you. That's important. Because we can't do it without Him. I think we'd be amazed the impact that we could have on people if we honestly went to a door filled with the Spirit instead of just with a plan. I mean that. I I, I think we'd be amazed how many people would be moved by our presence. Maybe they're saved or lost. It doesn't matter. But they would just be moved or drawn to us. Either that or (laughs) pushed away, one of the two, if we just went in the spirit and not the flesh. I, I mean that. I don't know about you, but you've had these experiences, I'm sure, where you saw a dog that you knew for sure was going to kill you when you got through the door, and you looked at it in the face and something just happened. You could tell he wasn't looking at you no more. You've had that happen to you, I'm sure. I'm telling you, it's amazing when God the Holy Spirit is in our life, there's a difference. It changes things. It changes things. And we've got to get started, and he'll illuminate us he'll give us insight, he'll give us understanding in John 1613 howbeit when he the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear that shall he speak he shall and, and he will show you things to come it's John 1613 first John chapter two verse 27 by the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you Excuse me. By the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it is it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. What he's saying is is that you don't always need to run to the the the, the first self-help book you find. You don't always have to run to a Christian author You don't always have to run even to the pastor right off the bat with every question, every concern, every situation. No, you need to go to God and you need to get in His Word and you need to beg the Holy Spirit to give you insight, understanding and illuminate your wisdom, to give you some insight. Nothing wrong with asking questions, nothing wrong with seeking advice, nothing wrong with searching out counsel. There's safety in a multitude of counselors, the book of Proverbs tells us. But so many times, we just want the easy way out. The fact is is that if the Holy Spirit of God is living in us and He is able to illuminate us, we ought to be serious about wanting to get it from Him because we want to experience that firsthand. Isn't it wonderful when the Holy Spirit of God speaks or when the Holy Spirit of God reveals or illuminates and you go, wow, I can't believe that. I've never seen that before. Thank you, Lord. Something about that, He illuminates. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13 and 14. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things that are of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. We need the Spirit of God to help us understand the Word. You know what? You bang your head against the wall with people. You're like, why can't they get it? Why don't they understand it? I don't get it. You get it now, don't you? It's spiritually discerned. They can't get it because... You, but they're looking at it. It's right there in black and white. How They've got to be a fool not to see it. Well, the Holy Spirit of God's got to illuminate them. See, sometimes we're over here trying to teach them. We, we've got... I have worked hard to put this in place to where it's, it's, I dovetail all these truths and I make it all fit and it fits like a glove and, and it's the perfect picture of the, 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 the wonderful promises and principles of the Word of God. Why can't they see it? Because the Holy Spirit's the one that's got to reveal it. Now, He'll use us as tools, but let me tell you something, if you're not getting Him in on it and you're the only one that's working on it, you've got a problem there. That's why we got to be begging God to help us to be able to p- preach or to speak or to share or to witness or to, to raise our children with the power of the Holy Ghost because we want them to get it. want them to get it. Can't you see you need a relationship with the Lord, young man? Can't, don't you understand, young lady, that this isn't the direction to go? Well, and it's all right as a parent. You need to share those things with your kids. But let me tell you, in the end, you want them to get it it's going to be the holy spirit of god right. well oh uh, yeah my son got saved when he was younger what is what you're sharing with them a spiritual truth yes then guess who they need to really share it with them the holy spirit you can get frustrated all you want but in the end you better get god in on it the holy spirit of god in on it because he's the one that illuminates the believer's life and heart and guess what obeying mom and dad is a spiritual issue that's a spiritual issue don't, don't downgrade that. Don't, don't, don't disregard that. It's spiritual. Obedience is always a spiritual matter. When there's rebellion in a heart, I don't care if it's with your boss. I don't care if it's with your husband. I don't care if it's with your family. Doesn't matter what the situation is. It does not matter. It is a spiritual problem and it needs addressed. And only the Holy Spirit of God can truly bring permanent change in a heart and life. You can go ahead and place rules in place. You can go ahead and put put bars on their windows. You can go ahead and put handcuffs on them. You can tie them to their bedroom. Whatever you want to do, that's fine. It works for the time being. But if you want them to truly change, it won't probably be your wisdom. It won't be your expertise as a parent. It's going to be the Holy Spirit of God who's going to... Now, don't let them continue in sin. Don't allow them to continue to rebel and be disobedient without consequences. That's a biblical principle too. But the fact is, and God will use those consequences at times to ultimately convict them, to to help them see their need and to recognize that they're going down the wrong path and open up their heart to the leadership of the Holy Ghost. But you better get Him in on it. Let me me finish with this one. He intercedes on your behalf. He intercedes on your behalf. Romans chapter 8. I've already gone a few minutes over. I'm going to just close this out here in a moment. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. When we pray, when we go to God, we need to understand that the Spirit of God is active. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know that we, sh- we know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. You know what he's saying? You don't always know what to pray for. You don't always know what's really needful and necessary in the lives of a friend family member. I'm going to be honest with you. I I have a hard time praying that everybody in the world gets healed. Because I'm confident that's not always what God wants. So I'm I'm hesitant to do that. I, 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 I really struggle with that i often, you'll hear me pray and I'll say something like this. Lord, we'd be pleased if it pleased you to heal that person. I, I, I'm just, I, I don't always know how to pray. I mean it. I don't know how to pray all the time. And that's why I better be in tune with the Holy Spirit of God because he'll help me. He'll take those prayers, those feeble prayers of mine. And when I do say, Lord, heal this person. Or Lord, fix this situation. Or God, make a difference here. Holy Spirit of God goes and says, You've got to understand, Lord. He's just flesh. He's struggling right now. He's having a hard time. Show Him some passion. Compassion. <clears throat> we sometimes think that prayer is, means that we can ask anything we want and God's obligated to give it to us. It's not. It's not how it works. The real goal of prayer is to find the mind of Christ and ultimately pray what is His mind. That's what our goal is. He begins to mold us and make us. I had a teacher one time tell me years ago, a Sunday school teacher, mind you, a singles leader, tell me that that when you pray and you pray enough, sooner or later, God will begin to weed out your prayer and conform it to His will. And you know what? He's right. He was right. He taught me something valuable. So I pray however I choose. I, I pray what my heart is, but... As I begin to pray, God says, nah, that's not important anymore. And I say, no, that's true. Or, no, I think it's going this direction. Oh, okay, Lord. And before I know it, I'm praying exactly what honors and glorifies God. And guess what he does? He answers that prayer. Because it's his heart. I'm very hesitant to believe that I'm Abraham. And that I can go, no, not 50. How about 40? How about 30? How about 20? How about 25, 25, 25, 30, 35, 35, 35, I, I, I have a hard time being Abraham. Now, I've, I've pulled the Abraham card on God a few times. I've definitely pulled it on him. Definitely have. And then I've tried to wield it and try to get it going there. You know what? And I don't think God's upset with me. I think the Holy Spirit of God goes up and goes, Hey, God, see, you know, just. He helps me out with that. He intercedes on my behalf. He says he's just, he's young right now. He's, he's maybe hurting right now. He has a need right now. Lord, you know what he needs. You know, helps me with my prayers. <clears throat> Just ask away, and God eventually will mold your prayers. But anyway, the Holy Spirit of God intercedes on our behalf. Holy Spirit of God such an integral part of our life. He regenerates us. He indwells us. He seals us. He empowers us. He illuminates us. He intercedes on our behalf. And I'm not going to get into this one tonight, but He fills us. He fills us. And what we've been talking about really is about the fact that we need filled with the Spirit of God. Here's the thing. I want to show you one verse and I'm done with that one. I'm not even going to go into it. Just look. I believe it's in Luke chapter 11, verse 13. Turn there if you would and we're done. <clears throat> That's it. I'm just going to look at this one verse tonight. And, and I'm not even going to really other than comment on it very quickly. We're going to close. I'm putting my notes away even. Luke chapter 11, verse 13. <clears throat> I hope I'm right. Oh, there it is. <clears throat> Notice the, the Lord says this. He says, <clears throat> well, let's go back. Notice he says in verse 11, If the son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? We, we, I think we know what the answer is there. <clears throat> if ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? Now, we're children of God already, so that means He indwells us. But if we want Him to fill us, one of the prerequisites is you have to ask. You've got to ask. <clears throat> and listen, let's face it. As long as there's something in that, in your life, as long as you're full of something other than the Spirit, there's no room for him. Amen. You you, you got to get rid of what's in there. <clears throat> now you can fill it, <coughs> and that's how your life is, and that's how mine is. You got to be. <coughs>
1: <coughs>
0: <coughs> wow, that went down the wrong pipe. I was told to stop drinking so fast because I've got this bubble in my throat or something. I have something like <coughs> right in there. <coughs> yeah. They're right, I guess. But watch this now. That's empty now. Guess what you can do with it? You can fill it. If it's not empty, you can't fill it. And sometimes we're so full of self, so full of the world, so full of sin, and we're going, God, fill us, use us, control us, guide us, lead us, illuminate us, empower us. He's going, I want to, but... You're already full of something. You've got to get emptied. And once you get empty, then the Holy Spirit can fill you. And the rest will be history. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for the opportunity we've had to.